tonight, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, I thank you, God, that each one of us will take home exactly what you want for us to take home, Father. And I thank you, God, as we as we listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to his church. And I believe that uh, 2024 is a year, it's a call to the believers, it's a call to worship and to prayer. Um, I believe that we are in turbulent times in this nation. I believe that there's scary stuff going on. I believe that there's crazy stuff going on. <laughs> I believe there's um, unbiblical stuff going on in, in large proportions all across the nation. So I, I believe that as I was seeking the Lord, I believe that there's a call to prayer, a call to intercession, a call to come back to um, the roots of the tabernacle of David and allow God's presence to begin to saturate you and I. And I know that before Pastor Dave had, had gone on to heaven, he, we had talked about the prophetic class, and we had we just closed up a book with Dr. Bill Hammond. And so we had talked about um, possibly me doing one of his books on building your devotional life. So I, I, asked, I, I welcome all of you to come to that class. Um, it starts the third Sunday of, of every month, so it's going to start this, this January. Um, anyways, building a devotional life, because I believe that as prophetic people, but not only as prophetic people, I believe as each, each person in the church, I believe we need to learn to build our devotional life in the intimacy of the Lord. So I believe that um, not only do we, we study the word, not only do we pray, but there's time in our walk with the Lord where we come and we sit at the feet of Jesus. And we sit in God's presence. And I believe he's calling the church back to that. So I believe tonight's just a, a little bit of a kickoff of what we're going to be doing in the prophetic class. I loved what Pastor Lorraine taught on yesterday, on Tuesday. So if you miss Tuesdays, you can get Podbean and you can get a copy of the CD. But she said something so remarkable, and I'm going to have her say it again. And I told her I was going to steal it from her. I was going to borrow it from her. But um, anyway, it's just a, and you all can just maybe turn your paper over and write it down. Well, it's not an original statement. I actually heard it um, when I was in my car on the radio. Dr. Jer David Jeremiah said this, God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that are not prayed. He doesn't answer if they're not prayed. I, I loved it. <laughs> Dr. Jeremiah, we're borrowing it from Dr. Jeremiah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So Isaiah 56, verse 7, start looking at your notes, it says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so I, I believe that we need to get back there, right? I believe Isabel, when she came, uh, Last year, she talked about, she had a message on corporate prayer and how the church needs to get back to that place where we're praying. Um, and so, and where we're supping together, where we're fellowshipping together. So this is kind of like perfect to go with this message tonight. Um, number one, if we're wanting to see the world changed, and that's your first fill-in. So if we're wanting to see the world changed, we must align ourselves with God's house, a house of prayer. For spiritual renewal to happen and to become a spiritual center for the kingdom of God, we must come into alignment with God's vision for the house. God's house is designed for his glory. It's a life source filled with grace, and it's called to be a leader of the nations of the earth. 
And it all starts with prayer. And so I think that, you know, I had a conversation once, too, with Pastor Dave, and I asked him. I said, Pastor Dave, what happened to your generation? I said, in your generation, prayer was taken out of schools, and I had a whole list of stuff that him and I talked about, you know. He says, we were sleeping at the wheel. And I said, yeah, so somewhere along the line, in every generation, we fall asleep. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that because it's a, it's a time where we're called to pray. We're called to stand in the gap. And I know there's a, a, a lot of teaching out there. And I love Andrew Warmack, and he talks about prayer, and he talks about communion with the Lord and talking with the Lord, and that's prayer. But I'm talking about corporate prayer tonight. I'm not talking about your individual life. I'm talking about corporately as a church, corporately as we come together and we pray and we seek the Lord and we wait in God's presence, we'll see the answers that we long for. We'll see those answers begin to manifest. But we have to come together shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, and we have to pray together and believe together. I think that that honors God and it honors God's house. And that's how the nations are going to be built. That's how our church is going to grow. That's how unity is going to stay and remain. Prayer holds it together. It's the, it's the knot in the rope that you can't break. You're going to say something? Alignment is the same thing as agreement, yes. So we want to align with one another in prayer. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. That's me. Um, I, I want to tell you that a few people that I have written down here in my notes, um, Charles Finney, Jonathan Edward, George Whitfield, Wilmer, Wilman Seymour, William Seymour, um, Amy Sybil McPherson, and I can go on, Catherine Kuhlman, I can go on down the road, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, Charles Stanley. Yeah. Um, Toronto. Toronto was built on prayer. They started, a few people started to pray, and Toronto grew like huge mountains, and the outpouring of the Father's love was all over that place. The IHOP, 24 hours around the clock, worship and prayer and intercession. Powerful healing and anointings came from that. Um, Heidi Baker came out of the Toronto Revival. God knocked her out there for I don't know how many days. <laughs> she was out, out cold in the Holy Spirit. And when she got up, her, her ministry was renewed. Her and her husband's life was changed. And out the door to Johannesburg, they went. <laughs> so prayer changes things. Look at Jamie and say prayer changes things. Yes, prayer changes things. Um, so number two, we cannot try to get God's house to conform to our programs or likeness or even to our own standards. And this is a man, Robert Stearns. You might not know who he is. I'm going to just, just give you a little recap on Robert Stearns. Robert Stearns, I met him through Joanne McFadder. Um, my, old, my former church set me on a leadership, um, a week of leadership teaching in northern New Jersey. And I went for a week, and I took my mom with me. And um, he was here. He was there with Joanne McFadder. And I remember the first service that we went. He's a worship leader. And I remember the first service that her and I had gone into, and you're going to remember what I'm going to say. I opened up the chapel door to go in, and when I opened up the chapel door to go in, they were worshiping God up at the altar, and it was lots of people in there. And the moment I walked in, I had my Bible and my notebook in hand, and we walked in, and the door shut behind me, and my Bible dropped. The presence of God was so strong. I've never seen anything like it. You remember that. I never had, I've never experienced anything like that. I've come close, but not like the presence of God that I felt in that place. Robert Stearns, he's a worship leader. And this is what he said. Um, he said, God's house is the resting place of his presence. Um, worship and prayer bring us into the very presence of God himself. 
And so we want to create a house. God's house is that resting place of his presence. Now, I'm not talking about um, the presence that we carry. We all carry the presence of God. But I'm talking about the Shekinah glory of God that comes in when we begin to worship, like we feel on a Sunday morning. When we're in corporate worship and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up and we're like, wow, God is here. Or, or we, we feel angelic visitations and we feel the presence of God. Something happens to you when you begin to feel that. Some people begin to tremble sometimes. You can't, you, some, some people will jerk. Some people will laugh. Some people will get stand and just bawl and cry. I remember there was times in this church years ago when I first started attending here that I would just cry in worship. And, and some people would come up and ask me if I was okay. I'd say, I'm okay, I'm fine. <laughs> but the presence of God was so powerful and beautiful and sweet that I would just cry. How has ever experienced that? Where the presence of God comes in in such a, like a wave of God's glory. So I believe that God is going to bring that wave of his glory back into the house in a more powerful and dramatic way. And we as believers need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for that. We need to be ready to engage that. And we need to be ready to bring others in to it with us. Okay. That makes sense? All right. So we cannot try to get God's house to conform to our programs or our likeness or even our own standard. And I thought that was key when I was putting this together because sometimes we try, to do, we try to do the programs and we try to do all those things necessary. But I feel like if we would just go back to pray and just say, Lord, this is your Sunday service. This is, and I'm talking about the corporate church. This is your service. This is your house. Holy Spirit, you lead us and you guide us today in this house because we'll do whatever you want us to do, Father. All right, so this is not in your notes, but Revelation 4, verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power because you created everything. Hallelujah. So number three, in the Old Testament, the house of prayer was also known as the house of David. He was a man that wanted to see God's kingdom authority, and that's your next fill-in. So David was a man that wanted to see God's authority established on the earth. The very tabernacle of David was a place of worship and prayer. And it was a priority of David for worship and prayer. And you can read that in Samuel 6, 1 through 15. But in 1 Chronicles, this is not in your notes. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 37, it says, The very first thing that David did when he took the, when, when he took the, cut the ark and he took it, took it back to Israel, the very first thing, the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, the very first thing he did was he established 24-hour prayer and praise and worship around the clock. So he understood the importance of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we, I believe, need to get back to that as well. Um, number four, the tabernacle was not a fancy building but a, but a tent. God was not concerned with what was happening outside or what it looked like. He was concerned about what was happening inside. So that's your next fill-in. So outside, God wasn't concerned about what was happening out there. He was concerned with David and what was happening inside of the tent. And David, along with the priests and Levites, was extravagant in their worship. They sang, they danced, they knelt, they shouted, they played skillful music to the Lord because it was God's house. And so they didn't care if they had to kneel. 
They didn't care if they had to twirl. And there's, there's one interpretation of this um, where David literally spun around so fast, like, like a spiral top. You know those old spiral tops that you shake up and down and they go spiral over. over. That's, that's literally what it meant when David began to worship and rejoice before the Lord. He didn't care. And he was a king. And he didn't care. Usually the women and all those people, they danced first, not the king, certainly not the king. But David went crazy. He was so in love with his God because he was a man after God's own heart. And when you're after God's heart, you want to be like him and you want to worship him. You want to spend time with him. You want to sup with him. You want to commune with him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay. So let's see. So um, they did this in God's house. They did this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It was this worship that was key for Israel's well-being back then. And it's this worship that's key to Israel's well-being today. And it's key for our well-being today. Because you know that when you begin to praise the Lord, demons flee. Demons cannot stay the moment you begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Demons flee. And so worship, worship brings in the Shekinah glory of God. So we praise and we, we, the devil flees and we come into worship and we worship the Lord. It brings that Shekinah glory of God in. Then all of a sudden we get to the place where God himself begins to minister to his bride. All of a sudden, here we are, and we're worshiping, and all of a sudden, God, all of a sudden, a spirit of prophecy will come, or a spiritual song will come, because all of a sudden, we've reached that place where now God himself can come and minister to his church. And I believe God wants us to go there all the time. In your home, in your private time, when we gather together on a Wednesday night, we gather together on a Tuesday, we gather together on a Sunday morning. Every time we gather, God wants to meet with his people in that way. Okay. <laughs> All right. So David commanded. So he, he, he commanded praise and worship to happen. I want to explain to you something about the tabernacle a little bit. Um, this comes out of... Um, comes out of Strong's Concordance. The Hebrew word translated tabernacle um, is O-H-E-L, which means a tent. Um, It's a covering, a dwelling place, a home, or a tent. There are three main references to the tabernacle of David in the word, and these are not in your notes. Isaiah 16.5 and Amos 9.11. I'm going to read that here in just a moment. Acts 15.16. This is where James repeats the passage from Amos. And the reference of Isaiah 16.5 refers to the tabernacle of David prophetically pointing to the one from the line of David who will someday sit on the throne and rule over all, referring there to Jesus. And so we, we carry that tabernacle on the inside of us because we carry the glory of God. So when I go someplace, the presence of God is in me and I carry his presence. And when I gather together with an other believer and we begin to talk about Jesus the presence of God now grows because now it's coming out of him and then I get with her and we start talking about Jesus and the presence of God just grows now we got three we got a three-way cord that cannot be broken and it goes on and on and on and the presence of God and the Shekinah glory of God manifests then in our midst right and then God comes and whatever need you have, the Bible says that Acts, they didn't have any need among them. Everything was taken care of. They learned something key, and that was unity and growing in the things of the Lord together. All right. <laughs> okay, so number five. God was so touched by their love and devotion to him that he made a promise to restore this tabernacle for the good of all nations. And that's found in Amos 9, 11, and 12. 
On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. So this restoring of God's house is for the blessing of the Gentiles and for the nations. So as God restores the church, I believe there needs to be some restoration in the church because we've got a lot of churches that have closed down. We've got a lot of mess going on in the churches. We've got a lot of schisms going on in the churches. We've got a lot of this one. I'm not going over there because they're Baptist. I'm not going over there because they're Protestant. I'm not going over there because they're Lutheran. I'm not going over there because that's an all-black church. Or I'm not going over there because that's an all-Spanish church. We have somehow got to learn to come together in the body of Christ because Jesus only sees one way. He sees the bride of Jesus Christ. And so somehow we got to get rid of these schisms, and it starts with a Allowing the presence of God to come in and change us. It allows, for him to come in and for us to sup with him so that we're changed in the presence of God. We go from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. We're changed into his likeness and into his image. So this, this restoring, number six, this restoring of God's house is for the blessing of all Gentiles and all nations. This is key for the salvation, and that's your next fill-in. So it's the key for the salvation of the nations in the time that we're living in. So as God's house is restored here on earth in 2024, we're going to begin to see the nations of the world begin to be restored. God's going to raise up the ones that need to be raised up, and he's going to sit down the ones that need to be sit down. So God is going to do these things, but it's up to the church to pray. It's up to us to come together and pray. Pray for one another. Pray for our church. Pray for our homes. Pray for our community. Pray for our friends and our family, our mayor, our governor. It takes a church. It takes us to come together and to do that, to see the salvation of the Lord come into our midst. Amen? Okay, so number seven. The believers in the early church taught us something that they were in one accord. That's your, that's your fill-in. So they were in one accord in one place waiting for the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, this caused the church to grow, and people from all nations came to the Lord that day. In Acts, it states they continued daily with one accord, breaking bread and praising the Lord. And this is, I don't got this in your notes, but verse 42 in Acts chapter 2, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and prayers. And fellowship, I want to tell you what this means. Fellowship actually means koinonoa. And that comes out of Strong's number 2842. And it actually means sharing, unity, close association, partnership, communion. This is brought naturally by the Holy Spirit as we come together in the bond of prayer. That's what fellowship means. So when we come together in the bond of prayer, Holy Spirit comes and he binds us together and causes that unity to come. It's just getting us to come together. It's just getting us to meet. Prayer is every second, every second Wednesday of the month. So it's, it's getting us to come together to pray. And then when we do that fellowship, the Holy Spirit comes and he binds us together in unity. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so I love that. So that comes out of Strong's, if you want to look that up and be a Berean. Strong's 2842. Okay, so I want to quote this from Robert Stearns. He says that they were giving themselves, so we're talking about the church, the, the first church. They were giving themselves to the living expression of God's house of prayer. So when we do that, we become the living expression of God's house. 
And that's a house of prayer. And we do that here. How many times often somebody will be in the middle of talking to you and they're telling you something about what's going on. And all of a sudden, you don't even think about it. And you just grab their hand and start praying with them. How many's ever done that? Just spontaneously. They're telling you something. Or um, one day, um, Anita Snow came up to me and she started telling me, just, just can I tell you something? I got something going on with my neck. And I just tell me what was going on. And then I didn't even think twice. I just laid my hand on her and started praying. I just, I just did it. It was something that I just did. And I think that God wants us to be that way. He wants us, when we hear someone's got a headache or someone's got a backache, we need to take authority over it immediately. You know, we don't want to pamper it and say, oh, I feel bad for you. How that happened? Did you get up in the morning? Did it hurt? You know, how long have you been suffering with it? No, we need to take authority over it and get rid of it immediately because we have that power to do that. We carry the Shekinah of glory on the inside of us. So we have that inside of us to do. All right. So pr- say with me, prayer is important. Say worship is important. So prayer brings unity and unity. I want you to know this unity. Psalm 133 unity keeps the devil out. Say that with me. Unity keeps the devil out. When we allow schisms to come in or we allow discord to come in, unity comes and the devil comes and splits that unity apart. But when we pray and come together in unity, it causes the devil to flee. So that's Psalm 133. And then God, in that, in that particular scripture, he commands the blessing. So the blessing of the Lord comes as the oil from the altar runs down the beard of Aaron. That It comes like the dew of Hermon. It comes like that. And unity comes when you and I come together. Okay, so number eight, prayer, that's your feeling, is the key to the ministry that God has given us. So whatever ministry you may have, whether it's to the homeless, whether it's Sunday school teacher, whether it's teaching in the church, or whether it's taking care of someone, whether it's in your job, whatever God has called you to do, prayer is essential for your ministry to survive and to thrive. You can't do it without prayer. You can do it for a little while without prayer, but you can't remain and stay strong and be on the path that God wants you to be on unless you pray. So it's important. Okay. So prayer is the key to the ministry that God has given us. The tricks of the enemy are to keep God's people from praying and staying in his presence. So he'll do anything he can to get you not to get into his presence. I'll tell you a little story earlier on. is in the 80s when I was just born again, around 1984. Um, and I was learning how to uh, have quiet time. And I was learning how to put everything aside and spend that quality time with the Lord. But back then, I was so filled with stuff in my mind and in my flesh because I was just a baby Christian. Um, I would get down on the floor with my pillow, and I would go down to pray. I'd have my scriptures, and I'd be praying in the spirit, and I'd get down, and I'd see something under the couch, and I'd go clean under the couch. Like I would see it, like an old orange peel or something from my kids or something, and I would just go and get it out from under the couch, you know. Um, and Or I'd get down there, and I had such a hard time focusing my mind because I'd be thinking about kids coming home from school and what I was going to feed them for a snack and what I was going to make for dinner. And then finally when I did get myself to where I needed to be and I quieted myself down and I got my pillow and I'm on the floor, then I'd fall asleep. <laughs> I said, Lord, I said, God, you got to help me here. You know, crazy, crazy, crazy. But that's what we deal with when we're dealing with the flesh. But I'll tell you, if, if you're dealing with that or anything like that, you, you just press in. You keep pressing in and keep pressing in until you don't do it. Until the next thing you know, you're spending that hour or that two hours in the presence of the Lord. Because when you come out of there, you will come out changed. You'll come out reflecting God's glory. 
Amen. And you can see God's glory on people. You can literally see and you know that those people are spending time in the presence of the Lord because you begin to reflect him. Want to say something, Virginia? Sweet sleep. <laughs> so it's happened to you too. Okay. <laughs> Sweet sleep. Yes, yes. Okay. So we all can agree, agree with that. Okay, number nine. We are at a strategic, that's your fill-in, moment in our nation, in the world and in the church. Japan just had a horrible earthquake. It was 7.6 on the Richter scale. Several people have just died. Um, I can tell you about all of the shootings that happened last night in our country. I can tell you about the horrific thing. A uh, uh, state trooper was just killed on the highway not just a couple days ago. I can tell you horrific things that are going on in our nation. Prayer is key to our community and to our state. And we, when I say that we're in a strategic time, we are in a strategic time. 2024 is strategic, and it's monumental this year. Okay, so we can't be neutral. This is your next fill-in. We can't be neutral, lukewarm, or cold. Can't be any of those things. We must be on fire for the glory of God and his presence. So say with me, I can't be neutral or lukewarm or cold. Right, we've got to be on fire for God's glory and God's presence. We've got to want it. We gotta want it more than anything. We gotta want to be in God's presence. We gotta want to come together. We we gotta want to pray together. We gotta want to fellowship with one another. We gotta want to pray for one another. Lay hands on one another. We we, we need that fellowship in the church. Want to say something, Jana? Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit gave me a lesson one day. I had a candle lit in the bathroom, <clears throat> and I was taking another candle to it. And He said, um, "You have to stay lit because there's no limit to how many others you can light if you're lit." I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So you have to keep, in other words, you have to keep your flame burning. Don't let it go out because you don't know how many people's lives you're going to touch by keeping your flame burning, by keeping it alive on the inside. Amen. All right. So it says in First Peter uh, 2, 4 through 5, it says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. So each one of us are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So we are a holy priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people that we might call forth the things in darkness, right? We are that person. So we are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So each one of us carry the Each one of us is a, a living stone. Each one of us carry the tabernacle of David, the praise of God within us. Each one of us carry that. Corporately, when we come together, it should be ignited like a bomb on fire. It should be like dynamite, like dunamis, power of God. When we come together and we begin to worship, if we come prepared on Sunday morning and we've been spending our time in prayer and in the presence of the Lord, and I'm not saying doing it as a religious or legal, I'm, I'm saying do it because you love him, because you want to spend time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because you want to sit with him. And when you come in on Sunday morning, you're going to be a powerhouse for God. I mean, who knows what will happen if we all did that corporately every single day, just tried it, just an exercise for one week. What would that look like? What would that be? You know, Pastor Ina, I don't know if you remember, but years ago, and I want to go back to um, maybe, I think, I think it was Melinda Fish, but it was years ago. 
2012 maybe, 13, um, there was a prophetic word given that day that this was like um, fire coming out the top of our church, this building, like fire was coming out. And then there was another word that came that day that um, there were several prophecies that happened that day. Another one came said that we were like um, a hospital, that um, there was like tents and beds and people were coming here to get healed and saved. It was a hospital building and people were coming and going and receiving healings, you know. And I believe we've seen that. We've seen that. But we have not seen it like Pastor Dave wanted to see it. We have not seen it like that. And his legacy is still alive. And I believe that we are going to see those things begin to happen. But it starts with the call to worship and the call to prayer. That's where it starts. Amen. All right. Greater. Full Gospel businessmen were having a convention when Pat Robertson was alive and the power of God and the flames of God were coming out the roof. People riding around called the fire department. They run in there with a hose and everybody's slain in the spirit on the floor. And they're going, what is going on? And there was a guy that was doing a radio broadcast. And he said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. But it was that the fire of God that attracted a crowd. The fire of God, yes, yes. Their embodiment of people, family, and church, they would um, have a night of stirring the spirits, okay? And then they would have a night of just worship. And it has to be, and they would emphasize this has to be from the heart, of course. But, you know, and I thought that's, and before Christmas, I had an impression from the Lord that all those things he says he's going to do, it's going to come out of a worship that's going to begin in that particular region I was taking as I was hearing it, but. I felt that impression by the Holy Spirit that there's going to be a major worship that starts, and that's how he's going to begin. It's going to come out. Yeah, I I heard once from a prophet, and this was just his analogy. I might have shared this with you before, but his name was Reverend Von Gerald, and he's since gone home to be with the Lord. But he talked about the rapture one night, and he was teaching on it, and he says, wouldn't it be amazing that all of a sudden, everywhere across the world, simultaneously at the same time, you felt like, get out of your car and worship, or wherever you were. Stop what you're doing and just begin to worship. And, it, and he says, I see the Lord coming back like that, you know, where we just stop what we're doing and we all just begin to worship and we're just caught away to be with the Lord. Yes, it is. I just want to say um, there was a conference that uh, w- w- uh, this lady was playing the piano like our pastor do. And so this elderly man was sitting over there. It was a big crowd and this elderly man was sitting over there and then they had went to a break, you know, and so um, when he came back, he said that uh, he wanted to say something. Just like I said, I want to say something. He said, five years I was in a quartet for years, but then I lost my hearing. He said, but when she started playing that anointed music, he says, ear pop. And his, his hearing came back. It's amazing what God will do when we begin to worship, you know. It's amazing. He, he loves it when we worship. There's a scripture that says that it's sweeter, to, so sweet to his nostrils when we begin to worship God. His presence comes in, and then he begins to minister to us. Ears pop. People walk. People are healed. People are restored. I mean, that's what happens when we allow the corporate presence of the Lord to manifest in our, in our presence. Amen? All right, so number 10. God is raising up an army. That's your next villain. So God is raising up an army in this day that we live in. The sound of heaven is coming forth. 
in praise, prayer, prophecy, and declaring the word. In 2024, we will be the people that will answer the call to worship in prayer. So will we be the people that will answer that call? Um, I am going to have us do something tonight. I want you each to pick, pass this basket around. Travis, you can leave that running too. We'll get this. We'll get it on just in case the Lord has something to say. Um, yep, take up. Everybody, take, everybody, pick one out. This is a scripture, a scripture either on praise or on prayer. And then we're gonna we got some microphones on this table, and we're gonna have some microphones on this table. And I want us to each one go in order and read what you have. I want us to read the scripture together tonight in closing. Can we do that? There should be enough. Father, we thank you for this word tonight, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, Father, I ask you to stir me up, stir our house up, stir the church up at large, God. Stir us, God, that we would be hungry for your presence, Lord, that we'd be willing to come and to sacrifice, God, that we'd be willing to come and seek you, God, with all of our heart, Lord. Father, I pray, God, for what you're going to be doing in this house, but in the church at large across this nation, God, as people come in 2024 and begin to hear the call to worship and pray, Father. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying, Lord, in this season, God. Let us hear your voice. Does everybody get one? Let's pass them down. Pastor Ina needs one. And we got a, we got microphones right here. Thank you, Lord. And we're gonna we're gonna read the scripture together in closing. Yep, Versi needs one. And we're gonna start over here with Pastor Tim Pritchard. And we're gonna go right around the table. And then we'll come in the middle of the table and then end with me. Okay. Everybody's got one? Ron's got one? Okay. So, Pastor Pritchard, you've got a microphone right in front of you. Psalm 92.1. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Oh, beautiful. You have to follow? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can you hear better on this microphone? Okay, okay, yeah, this is not very loud. All right. Psalm 86, 9. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. First Timothy 2, 1. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Philippians 4, 6, 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 8612. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. Psalms 95, 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalm 63, 4. So I will bless you as long as I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. Ephesians six seventeen and 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making a supplication for all the saints. Psalm 47, 7. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful song. 1 John five fourteen through 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Psalm thirty twelve, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 99, 5, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. Psalm ninety five two. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable, Psalm 145.3. I got uh, Psalm 145.2. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 47.7. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. Psalm 96.9. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Psalm 119, verse 164. Seven times a day I praise you. Psalms 115, 17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 145, 2. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hebrews 2, 12. 
I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Amen. Psalms fifty nine sixteen. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. For as you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. Psalm 104, 33, I will sing praise to the Lord as long as I live. Yes, in Psalm 95 and verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and let us shout joyfully to him with the Psalms. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this message, Lord. We thank you for the word that was spoken here tonight, Father. Thank you for every scripture that was read, Father. And I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for moving among us, Lord, in this house. And I ask you, God, to join us together like never before, Father. Father, I thank you, God, that we're a cord that can't be broken. And so, Father, I just give you praise and glory tonight, Lord, as we heed the call to worship and we heed the call to prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. You can keep those scriptures because maybe you might need that scripture. Maybe it was just for you. <laughs> we're going to go make a circle. Yeah. You, you want to do it here? How you want to do it? Want to do it here? Or we'll do. Who wants to get up? 